0: Giving it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. I'm Bruce Cullen, that's Nate Geary, and this is Food for Thought. A show combining two of your three favorite F-words. That's right, food and football. And tonight, the third word is just fun. Ah, yes. fun because Nate said to me when I told him that we were going to do a A hot dog show tonight. He said, we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. And you know what? I feel like after the week we've all had, I feel like fun is exactly what we need. Mr. Geary, how are you doing this evening?
1: Bruce, it's been a week. It has been a week. It's been like two years in a week. Is that fair to say? Yeah,
0: Yeah, yeah. two and a half. I feel like I've aged about two years in the last week.
1: Yes. Yes, uh, I've aged a bit today, just a little. I think I aged a year today.
0: Well, congratulations on your 31st birthday. As a reminder that today's show and every show is brought to you by the fine folks at the Genesee Brewing Company. Since 1878, Genesee has poured generations of brewing knowledge into each pint, can, and bottle of their beer. They make no sacrifices when it comes to their beer, brewing each with the highest quality ingredients for a consistently great drinking experience. Look for Genesee Beer, Genesee Light, Cream Ale, and their specialty line with beers like Ruby Red Kolsch and Oktoberfest, Genesee Brewery, Rochester, New York. You know, I don't have any Jenny here with me this evening, so I am literally drinking a Jameson Ginger Mm -hmm. right now. But if I had Genesee Pineapple Kolsch, I would just drink that instead. But yes. I'm on, I'm on my third, I think, Jameson Ginger right now. Oh, whoa, Bruce. So, Bruce, it's a Friday night, a Friday night ladies and gentlemen. Woo, Bruce. Yeah. Bruce. is lit, y'all. <laughs> it's gonna be lit. Up, it's gonna be lit here. A reminder that any super chat that Nate and I get that is at or greater than. Ten dollars gets a Genesee pint glass. Just make sure that you make sure you're following Genesee Brewery on Twitter and DM at Nate Geary Sports proof of the super chat and the Genesee follow with your address, and he will send you out a Genesee pint glass. You know, Nate, the area between mini camps and training camps the is dog days, my referred friend. to as the dog days of summer. So I thought now that we're in the dog days. We're going to title this episode Dog Days, and we're going to talk about dogs. First off, thank you for the like, the people who are liking this. For those of you who haven't yet, just go ahead and hit all the engagement buttons for me. Like, subscribe, rate, review, do all the things. Press all the the, the magic engagement buttons. Nate's cat is in the background. JR says, hey, I just saw the cat. And Vlad asks if he missed the third off. Yes, the third F was just fun. Yeah, it was boring because we all need a little bit of fun today. It's the hot dog days of summer. said, And so we're going to kick it right off by talking about interesting hot dogs. Now, I specifically left this as general and broad as possible. And the reason that is, is because I did not know until I started speaking in this space, creating content in this space, that the people of Western New York are passionate about their hot dogs. So the last time I was up and the last time I was in Buffalo was actually to drop off boxes for you. Mm -hmm, That was the last time I was in Buffalo because you were moving. And while we were there, we picked up some Jenny. We picked up a bunch of different things that were Buffalo or Western New York only. We also picked up a pack or two of each of the major regional Buffalo hot dogs. And I disappointed pretty much everyone I knew when I said, that between all of the different Buffalo or Western New York or Syracuse hot dogs or Rochester hot dogs. Sure. I didn't like any of them as much. As I like Hebrew National hot dogs and they were all incredibly disappointed by me. And then I'll one up it. The things I really like the best. I really like Costco's hot dogs. I'm a huge Costco guy and I love the Costco hot dogs. So everyone was really disappointed in me. But I felt like there was an opportunity to redeem myself. So I did tonight with interesting hot dogs.
1: Mr. Gear, you got something to say Hebrew national beef dogs. Yes. Beef. Okay. So here's the big thing with Buffalo. It's all pork. It's all pork. Yeah. It's all pork. So it's just a different ball game and it's a different preference. I will tell you, I have not had too many good beef dogs. They're just the different, they're just a the different flavor different. profile entirely. And I think they mix well with
0: other things. I think pork hot dogs go specifically with other toppings.
1: With mustard and onion. With mustard and onion. Also, not a yellow mustard guy. Okay, well, that's half your problem is yeah, a good pork, guy. salins. I, I I know I've told you this in the past. Mm-hmm. I like Salins. It's a good hot dog. Wardinsky is here, though. You can't see it. It's up there. That's the best dog yeah, in Buffalo. I had that, too. I thought, best I thought, dog in Buffalo. I thought absolutely... Ordinsky. we were going to do that
0: i had the rochester hot dog whose name is a right now was had that too i had the whites and the reds eh. white hot and red hot and mm. i came away and i was like I, I my big takeaway from that was exactly what you just said i turned to my wife and i said i think i just like beef hot dogs better that's okay. i think that's what this is okay. and i think that the, my my inability to really appreciate plain yellow mustard is mm-hmm. also a big part of that because i like honey mustard. I like spicy brown mustard. I like Dijon mustard. I just, it's the straight vinegar of a yellow mustard that I just can't get behind. My wife likes malt vinegar on her French fries and I just can't get behind it. The vinegar is too much for me. So super vinegary things are just, it's just not a thing for me, but we're going to kick it off with some interesting hot dogs. Okay. And you're gonna And you're going to go first. Tell me about a hot dog that would get you through the dog days of summer, Nate
1: so i am all about the chicago style dog i really i enjoy the fact that the bun has got some life to it right it's not just a standard normal white hot dog bun you go to costco you go to wegman's you go to tops you know you go and you get the what would you call it the knockoff kind it's just the store-bought store brand doesn't actually have a brand Mm -hmm. um this one, you got the poppy seed on it. Mm-hmm. It's got a little bit more firmness on the outside. Um, that's just the vessel, right? But I think that's an important vessel. And I'll tell you my preferred vessel for just a standard hot dog that goes a little against the grain. But on a in terms of just hot dog styles, I like that if I uh, give it an opportunity – if it's on special and I'm going to my favorite hot dog place and ooh, we got Chicago dogs today because a I like to have the pickle on there. There's something about a pickle aesthetic. I don't actually eat it with the hot dog. I just like to take the pickle off and eat it. Um, but it's the aesthetic of it. And you get the you, there, there's a lot to a Chicago dog. So I, I'll, I'll say, like, in terms of my favorite, are we going to call it a specialty dog? Specialty dog. Sure. I'm going to go Chicago style. Brooklyn style is not bad, but Chicago style to me is is probably my my preference there i would agree that the yes,
0: chicago dog is the most aesthetically pleasing of the dogs for yes. sure. it has all your major colors involved yellow you have the good good little bit of celery salt on there the poppy seed gives the bun a nice color you have the tomatoes you have the yep. peppers you know pickle and things like that for me i'm a memphis dog guy and for those of mm. you who don't know what a memphis dog is a memphis dog is a pork sausage that's wrapped in bacon And they drench it. They dip it in barbecue sauce. Then they put chopped onions, shredded cheddar cheese, scallions, and then they grill the whole thing. So I'm a Memphis dog. never heard of this, Bruce. Yes, Memphis dog. I've lived all over the country. Memphis dogs are my jam. If you can get a hot dog and wrap it in bacon, Hmm. I'm pretty much in on pretty much everything because I'm a huge bacon guy. I'm a huge bacon guy. There is... There is a part of the country that really, really, really loves their Polish boy hot dogs. And they love kielbasa. And usually you see this in Northeastern Ohio. You see it in the Cleveland area. And you'll get like a kielbasa and you'll put coleslaw on it. And the last time I had coleslaw, I kind of threw up. So I'm a little bit out of coleslaw right now. But they'll put hot sauce, barbecue sauce, and French fries on it. I'm good with that too, but for me, Memphis dog, number one dog, always number one dog, huge, huge fan. Uh, Patton in the comment section says Portillo's makes a nice dog. Uh, JR says a Chicago style would be considered to be a Polish dog. Okay. Now, Karen, I have a question for you, Karen. Karen in the oh. comment section says grilled dog, well charred with Greek sauce. By Greek are sauce, we, are, do you mean tzatziki? Is it? Is it? No,
1: I would think slime sauce. Oh, see, see, I don't know what she means by Greek sauce. That's the problem. Now, it's because every Greek diner or Greek place that you'd go to that would have a hot dog, like I'm thinking, well, see, but I'm thinking more. That's more along the lines of a Texas hot, um, which, by the way, also Bon Appetit, the slime dog, chili dog. Okay, so it's chili. Uh, the Greek sauce is is chili. See, and that's the okay. interesting part about hot dogs and about toppings is people call it sauce. Right? Mm. Greek sauce, slime sauce. It's just chili. Chili's just chili not sauce. Chili's not sauce. It's now, chili. I don't,
0: I don't know if we've had this conversation before, but we're gonna have it now. Are okay. you a skyline guy? Are you a crafty dog with with skyline chili? I've got to admit, I've never had skyline chili. John Scott would be so upset with you. Right? I know he would. I know he would.
1: I've just I've I've first of all, I've never been to Cincinnati. Um, or Kentucky. I've never been to that part of the part of the country before that South in Ohio, but I've never, I don't know. It just has never really appealed to me to be like, Hey, I'm driving near here. I got to make a pit stop in Cincinnati to go get a, you know, skyline chili dog.
0: I have, I actually get a reference this later on. So I, it's not a spoiler for the FBI or anything, but I used to live in Louisville, Ah. Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky is this weird city where it is either the southernmost northern city or the northernmost southern city, depending on who you ask. Hmm. And because of that, you get this strange amalgamation of food in Louisville, Kentucky. And a lot of it is Cincinnati-based because if you live in Louisville, Cincinnati is like your pro city because Louisville doesn't have any pro teams. So a lot of people who live in Louisville, they're Cincinnati Bengals fans. They're Cincinnati Reds fans. Ah, uh, the Louisville Bats are the minor yep. league baseball team, but if you're major league baseball team guy, you're a Cincinnati Reds fan and things like that. And because of that, you were a hop, skip, and a jump from Skyline Chili anytime you wanted to go, and to Skyline Chili. I am not a Skyline guy. There is something about cumin and cinnamon in my chili that absolutely says no. Just is not that what's interested. in it? Yes, there's cumin and cinnamon in Cincinnati style chili. I don't it's know. weird. Yeah, it is. It's weird. And it looks like meat sauce. It doesn't look like chili.
1: Correct. It looks like meat sauce. It's just meat right. sauce. There's no beans. Can yeah. I tell you? I don't think this is controversial by any means, um, but I have recently come across a firm determination of my favorite hot dog bun. Okay, I'm ready. I have a, I have a take on this, so I'm ready for you, yours. You have a take on it. Do you have a guess as to where I might be going with this?
0: Okay, you said you wanted your buns with a little bit more substance. You said you like the poppy seed bun. So it's not going to be poppy seed bunning because you would have mentioned no, that not. earlier. Yep. Um, I'm going to go with Texas toast.
1: No, uh, but we're not totally far off the beaten path here. So I am a New England style guy. So we're talking. Oh, standard, absolutely Yes, thank you. We're talking standard lobster roll, um, you know, a borderline po' boy t- style roll. Um, but the best part about it is. You, you, you butter each side, yep. throw it on the flat top, yep. each side, give it that nice crisp buttery, almost, you know, like, I don't know what, I don't know what makes it so good, but yeah, I had a Hungarian dog the other day. Um, There's this great event. It's called a cook's tour, a chef's tour, a cook's tour, a cook's tour here in Buffalo. And it started in Buffalo and all of the best chefs in Western New York come together for charity. And it's all for Anthony Bourdain. It's, it's, it's inspired by Anthony Bourdain, right. And, 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 having great, sophisticated foods. And one of my favorite places here in Buffalo, Chef Ross over at Brightsmith Brewing, he made a a stuffed Hungarian, a Swiss stuffed spicy Hungarian hot dog with the New England style roll on the outside. And buddy, for a a hot dog, it was one of the best things there. And there was a lot of high-end stuff. And like, there's something about that bun. It's got substance. There's a little bit more, I don't, the word isn't right, but meat to it. There's just more breading. It's a little sweet, right? It's a little more sweet too. It's almost, it's borderline King's Hawaiian-ish. Um, so for me, I, I think and it's because it's the vessel, standard vessel for lobster rolls, right? And you do want that sweetness, that butteriness to a lobster roll. Um, and I think it's a perfect combination. I am all the way in on this. I am all the way
0: in on lobster rolls as a method and communicative device for hot dogs. All the way in. You know, all this talk has got me a little hungry. And I hear rumors that my wife is currently making pizza in the background and that she's going to bring some in in the middle of the show. So if that happens, I'm all the way in. But until that does happen, we are going to continue with our discussion of the Buffalo Bills roster rooms going into 2022. And we're going to do them the way we always do them. And we're going to start off with if the Bills tight end room was a food. And since you went first on hot dogs, I'm going to go first on this one. Deal. If the Bills tight end room was a food, it is the food that just came to the great new restaurant in your town. You know, sometimes when you get a new restaurant in your town, especially if you live in a small town and you get a new restaurant, you're very excited, but they kind of need a little bit to work the kinks out, you know? And you go there and you get something that you think is good. And you're like, hey, this is a good meal, whatever it is. We recently got a New Mexican place that's close to our residence, close-ish to our residence. And we gave it a little bit because, of course, it's going to be disaster the second yep. it starts. Yep. And then we went there. Smart. And I had a carnitas uh, burrito. Okay. And I was very excited about it. And I thought, hey, this is really good. I think they need a little time to work the kinks out because Mm. it's new and they got to figure it out and it's got a lot of upside and there's a lot of potential and the ingredients all taste good individually but there was just something where the guy just needed a little more experience he i'm not saying it wasn't good and i'm not saying that it didn't even break out like that's a restaurant i will go back to again it's already established itself as a good restaurant i just need a little more for it to be great And that's the way I feel about the Buffalo Bills tight end room. At this point, Dawson Knox's floor has risen so significantly in the last year that now we go, okay, there's no doubt that Dawson Knox is a good tight end. That's not not even a question anymore. He's a good tight end. The question now is, can he be a great one? Because last year, a lot of his production was tight end, uh, touchdown related. It was touchdown-related, right? He scored a lot of touchdowns last year. So can we get more catches? Can we get more targets? Can we get more yards? Is the departure of Emmanuel Sanders, the departure of Cole Beasley, the addition of Gabriel Davis into the starting lineup, scooting up the depth chart, is that going to open yep. up some targets for Dawson Knox? Is he going to end up being a guy who's a 7, 8, 900-yard tight end instead of a 5, 600-yard tight end? Is he going to go from... I know for a fact Dawson Knox is a good tight end, too. Dawson Knox is one of the best tight ends in football. Is he going to take that next step? And you look at the rest of the room, and you think, okay, O.J. Howard. I know O.J. Howard's a serviceable tight end. I've watched him do serviceable tight end things. O.J. Howard also became a really, really good blocker over the last couple of years. Now, you Mm -hmm. know he was going to be in Bruce Arians' offense because Bruce Arians, of course, notorious for not wanting to throw the ball to tight ends unless they happen to be Tom Brady throwing the ball to Gronk. So. You have all this stuff and you go, okay, we know what the floor is with OJ Howard. We know what the floor is with Dawson Knox. We know what the floor is with Tommy Sweeney. We know what we've seen there. We'd like to see maybe some, you know, if Jalen Weidemeyer cracked something and became a third tight end. Okay, that's great. But, you know, it's looking like it might be a Knox, Sweeney, OJ Howard group. And we know what that floor looks like. And that floor is fine. There's there's nobody who's going to look at the Buffalo Bills tight end room and go, this is bad.
1: Right. We're just going to go,
0: okay, is there room for growth? Is there Hmm. room for improvement? So when I look at the Buffalo Bills tight tight end room, I look at that burrito, that carnitas burrito, and I go, this is good. I will come back again,
1: but it could still be better.
0: Hmm. Nate, what about you?
1: So if this tight end room, Bruce, were a food, and I'm going to get very specific with this one, as I normally do. A lot of time, a lot of thought. Beef Wellington. Oh, I love it. Uh, let's go. Let's go. And Beef Wellington, because it is both sophisticated but simple. Uh, there are only four true elements, right? Puff pastry. A, I guess you would call it a duxiel. I believe is how you pronounce it, which is the mushroom shallot uh, mixture pate and a filet, right? But a full size tenderloin typically, but sirloin will do. For me, I prefer the tenderloin, right? At its very worst, Bruce, it is a whole bunch of really high end things, right? Like Dawson Knox, right? I believe Dawson Knox has, you're talking about floors. I'll kind of talk the other way. I'll talk about ceilings. The ceiling to me, Is the Travis Kelsey's is the George Kittle's. It is one of the top three or four tight ends in football. And to your point, that floor has risen considerably. And at his worst, he's a top 15, top 17 tight end in football. Arguably at his worst, he's a top 12 tight end in football. But the room itself, Bruce, teeters on something as simple as cook time, right? Because if OJ Howard is cooked and let me tell you, he might be cooked, Bruce. He, you know, all for all, you know, from what we've heard coming out of, you know, minicamp and out of OTAs, he still does not quite have that burst yet. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that, Bruce, right? New offense, new routes, new responsibilities, new playbook. There's a lot going up through here. And when there's a lot happening in here, it tends to be a slower reaction in real time. So I will allow for O.J. Howard to get into pads, learn the offense for the next couple of weeks, get to training camp, and potentially look slightly more explosive. He has not had that explosion, Bruce, since before the Achilles injury. And that is not an injury that everybody comes back from the same. There is not a linear recovery with torn Achilles tendons. So like Beef Wellington, this tight end room could be one of the richest, one of the more layered dishes you can get at a high-end dining restaurant. But if it's undercooked... If that steak is not cooked through, or if you are cooking it in a vessel that is too hot and that puff pastry cooks too quickly and crusts on the top, but does not penetrate the middle, or you don't cook it properly. Let's say, I think a lot of people, the smart thing to do is to sous vide it first and make sure that you have a good level cook through that tenderloin, finish it with the puff pastry, make sure it's nice and dry. Then, then wrap it with that puff pastry, wrap it with your uh, your your pate, your duxelle, and make sure that the middle is cooked perfectly, a, a perfect medium rare. Nobody wants a rare cut of meat, even if you like rare meat. You do not want rare beef wellington. It just does not fit well. You don't want the cold interior. You want that lukewarm. You want that pink but not bloody interior. Just like for the Bills, if O.J. Howard can't be a legitimate number two upgrade, you mentioned Tommy Sweeney. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention Reggie Gilliam in here, Bruce, because I think Gilliam sort of represents the pate and versatility, right? Pate is not necessarily something you're gonna put with other foods. You can eat it by itself, right? It's not the best. It's it's, it's chopped up liver, right? It's pate is blended up, smoothed out liver. Um, now you see a lot of people eat it like with charcuterie, with a cracker and some cheese, right? So it by itself, it can stand alone much like Reggie Gilliam can play both fullback and tight end. And I think you save a roster spot, Bruce, by having Gilliam in the lineup and you'll sign, either you have him at the fullback or you're going to, I think they're dressing two tight ends and one fullback. That's what I think. That's what I think the 53 is going to consist of. Just like the simplicity of the recipe of a beef Wellington, there are not a lot of pieces to this recipe. The cook on it could not be more important. Just like the development of OJ Howard. If he cannot return to the guy that we saw his rookie season, you don't have. You did not upgrade from Tommy Sweeney. If that's the case, wow, that was
0: really good. Thank you. That was really really good. Thank you. Moving along. Thank you. Defensive line. I think we're going to have more positive things to say about the defensive line. The current Bills defensive line group makes me feel like it's a food simile.
1: Yes. And before, yes, it we, is.
0: And before we go to it. Mr. Diggs in the comment section says, Khalil Shakir is the side dish, but a good complimentary dish to the tight end room food. Yeah, I don't think anyone's expecting Khalil Shakir as a wide receiver to be a main course this year. I think people are excited about what he could potentially be given the fact that Jamison Crowder's on a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. Isaiah McKenzie's on a two-year deal, but he may just be a designated gadget guy. You never know what this this uh, new offense, and Ken Dorsey, is going to be like for him. So that is, you know, that's, that's pretty good. I, I kind of like that one. I kind of like that one. Carl says, my fear is that we don't pay Dawson is the amount of time it takes to develop a tight end historically. Even Dawson, to an extent, has taken a while to develop. Yeah, Dawson has. But also remember, tight ends are always a slow developing position. Yes, they but are. In addition to that, you have Dawson Knox, who is a converted
1: quarterback, and ran like six routes at mm-hmm. Ole that's right, I mean, and I mean Bruce. He was hardly listen. Though you've got to understand, I, I'm not saying you don't understand this, but he was in an offense that featured DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, uh, and there was another piece to that offense too. Was Laquan to Treadwell in that offense? No, no. This would have been this would have been uh, after Treadwell. There was another piece in that offense. Maybe it was at running back or something. But God, Jordan Taylor. on. Canary, was it Canary's Lodge? Was, was that it, who it was?
0: Yes. Oh. All right, we're gonna find it. We're gonna find it. We're gonna do it. We're gonna make it happen. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a thing. Demarcus Lodge, yes. Demarcus, DeMarcus Lodge. Lodge, yes,
1: yes, 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 yes. Look so at me you go. have three NFL receivers, long. three NFL receivers, and a tight end who is recently converted. Here's another interesting aspect to this whole thing, and I think this is such an interesting conversation about the future of the Bills, right? Because Bruce, I think Brandon Bean has an interesting, interesting is I think a funny word to use here, but. A complicated decision to make at pass catcher for the Buffalo Bills heading into the future, right? What I mean by that, Gabriel Davis got two years left on that rookie contract. Is he going to see enough volume to truly get that elite level number two wide receiver contract? Borderline, the question might be better for Gabriel Davis, Bruce. Is he going to get number, is he going to get Christian Kirk? money is he going to be the number two receiver that a desperate team pays as a number one right is Atlanta gonna come out and pay him to be their number one receiver they saw enough from him as a number two to believe he could be on his own a number one receiver Bruce and the question you have to start asking yourself this year is if you locked Dawson Knox up this offseason which doesn't look like it's happening seems like maybe next offseason if it happens at all I believe Bruce that there's a very good chance Dawson Knox gets franchise tag next year because it's probably the cheaper route to go. And the question becomes, is he so good the next two seasons that after he gets franchised, that he's one of the top paid tight ends in football? And I think there's an argument to be made that, yes, he might be. And the question will be, Bruce, the reason I'm bringing this up is you made a great point about the development and the time of development it takes for tight ends in the league to truly develop. We still have not seen that development play out yet for Noah Fant. right? That's a guy you and me chat about all the time. Cause you're always trying to trade for him in our dynasty league. He's a tight end that is young, that has not really blossomed into the true potential that his athletic profile suggests. He will be TJ Hawkinson, his team at the time had a better quarterback, his rookie year and Matthew Stafford. So blossomed a little quicker than most standard tight ends do in the NFL. But, If you look back historically, we're on a two to two and a half to three year developmental cycle for tight ends. And if you're drafting a tight end in the second, third through seventh rounds, Bruce, well, you're talking, you have one year of elite level play at the tight end position. So that is what makes this discussion so interesting, because when you have to make a choice, Bruce, I'm not sure there is enough money to go around for both Gabriel Davis and Dawson Knox when you've paid what you've paid for Stefan Diggs and I will never tell you that paying Stefan Diggs what they paid him was wrong decision I think it was the right one um and I I like that they did it early before there was any disgruntled feelings any hurt feelings at the same situation we're seeing from Jordan Poirier to me would have been a disaster if that played out with Stefan Diggs it just wouldn't have been good for this team and this organization on the on the upward trend this offense is playing I just think that there, we're entering such a unique stage that I might lean towards re-signing and prioritizing Dawson Knox because of that developmental cycle and because of the fact, Bruce, that it seems like you're going to draft wide receivers in the second and third round that are going to be guys that can walk in, like Gabriel Davis, who's drafted in the fourth round. Guy can walk in and be a an early developed receiver that can play meaningful snaps for you. So, um, yeah, I'm 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 of the mind that this conversation, I know it evolved from you know, talking about comparing things at the tight end room. But I think this is a really, truly interesting conversation because not many teams pay the tight end position. Now, let me ask you, does the fact that the tight end
0: position have a markedly different contract scale than wide receivers impact that significantly for you? Because the, the franchise tag for a tight end this offseason was $10.9 million. I think it goes up you to know, 12. And so this, you know, if you look at the wide receiver market, number twos. Are getting 16, 17, 18, 19 million dollars a year. Number ones are clearing 20 easy at this Mm -hmm. point. So, does the fact that you can get a top five paid tight end for 11 million dollars versus a top 24 wide receiver for 17, does that alter your thinking? Does that support your thinking? How does that impact you?
1: So, I think it's more so wide receiver 24 still really good you might really still be in the top if we wanted to tier it how many receive how many receivers are in tier one in your estimation uh, without looking 12 15 is that yeah. too much is that too much is it is it maybe less of am i am i over am i, I over this or am i am I to say that maybe tier one has seven to nine players in it Tier two probably funny. tier two probably has twenty players in it, right? That are borderline yeah. wide receiver ones that are really good players. Think about how the tight end position is tiered. There might be four. two, two to three in tier one, three to Depends four how you feel in tier about two. Darren Waller, right? Tier three to four to five in tier two, yeah. and then there is a gigantic drop off, Bruce. Right. So. Now, there aren't as many tight ends playing on the field at the same time as receivers. Almost every offense nowadays is playing three receivers, right? right? The versatility of receivers now that some of them can block, you can have 11 personnel, 10 personnel and not necessarily miss a beat on the ground. The thing that I believe about the tight end position is the rarity of finding elite ones that are young and are downfield threats. There are so few downfield threats the tight end position, Bruce. The Bills have I believe the single best downfield threat at the tight end position in the league. I'm not saying he's better than Travis Kelsey as an overall player. He's not better than George Kittle as an overall player, but he is better than both of those guys. as a true downfield, deep vertical threat. I don't think there's, I don't think it's particularly close Bruce. Wow. He can run past corners. I mean, Darren Waller's a thing. Yes, he is. But I would not if, – if you're asking me who is you know, the, Noah Fant ran a four five. If you are – right. But I did, When what evidence do you have on film to suggest that he can be a guy that runs past corners and can be a guy that runs a nine route like a receiver?
0: Well, I mean, you know, Noah Fant's first year, I think he averaged a, a pretty hefty yards per uh, reception. Mm-hmm. I'll look it up right now.
1: But... I think – this has been my argument about the people who are – oh my God, the Bills don't have another outside receiver. They don't have a true number three X, right? Like they, if Gabriel Davis goes down, they have no outside ride receiver to replace him unless you're talking about Jay Kumaro, who, uh, right? I mean, what is Jay Kumaro short of a really good special teams player, right? And then you look at, well, could Khalil Shakir, right? We're talking about him really. Could he move out to the outside? We had a whole podcast. We talked about that, Bruce, right? what I believe their true plan B for the outside would be is Dawson Knox. That's why they have not gone out and gone to get a, you know, Julio Jones, right? Like that's why they have not gone out and get that veteran. They signed a veteran receiver, Bruce, and it was another slot guy and Tavon Austin. And I think the reason is, I think they feel very comfortable that in worst case scenario, in a pinch that they could bring OJ Howard to play the inline tight end. And have Dawson Knox go and line up as an outside wide receiver, and they'd feel comfortable with him running the route tree against NFL corners.
0: So I just went ahead and looked it up. So Noah offense, rookie year, I was right. He had a ridiculous, he had 14.1 yards perception, which was 28th in the league amongst all receivers and number two in the league when it comes to tight ends behind Jared Cook um, that year. <laughs> and then then the Broncos offense went to complete garbage and they yes. had him running flare routes and trying to break a tackle. And he he's been very vocal about that. Since he moved to Seattle, he was like, listen, I want to play down the field. Like, I don't want you to throw me a, a bubble screen and try and have me break four tackles. That's not my game. He goes, I'm an athlete. Let's go. Let's do it. Carl asks, sorry if this was already talked about, but is Nate rocking a Genesee Pineapple Kolsch shirt? Darn right he is. Genesee Pineapple Colsh, Not just a sponsor. Also, we a wear that. Also yes. a lifestyle. It, it's an entire general brand. Because while we're this here, show is...
1: Bruce, so what, say it As I, I was gonna say, while we're here, we should probably give our sponsor a read. We're halfway through the show. I was literally about to do that. I was
0: literally on my way. I clicked open. And then I interrupted you. And then you had well, whatever. You know what? You know what? You know what it is? It's Pineapple Kolsch, which is the official beer of summer, brewed with natural flavors for a slightly tart, but incredibly crushable drinking experience. Ladies and gentlemen, Genesee Brewing Company. Pineapple Kolsch. Find it at your local store. Moving along. You know, I said that, the defensive line room we were going to get to and then we just didn't get to it
1: we We got a lot of time though we didn't
0: didn't do it at all so we're going to go the defensive line room right now and i'm going to say that the defensive line group makes me feel like and i mentioned earlier i gave a little tease that i was going to talk about my time in louisville when i lived in louisville (laughs) kentucky we had a restaurant that we would go to called old chicago old chicago and they were an italian restaurant and when you when I went back recently, I didn't go to old Chicago and I was really disappointed. I went to El Toro, which was a Mexican place around the corner from where we used to live. And it was exciting, but I didn't go to old Chicago. So the bills current defensive line group makes me feel like I'm going back to Louisville and I'm going to old Chicago. And I'll tell you why, because when I go there, they're going to be some old favorites, the pepperoni Mm. rolls, are going to be amazing because the pepperoni rolls are always amazing. And that's their go-to thing, but I'll bet you there'll be some new favorites there too. And what I can't do is I can't allow my love for the nostalgia to get in the way of the fact that the new stuff is probably the best stuff. You know, Jordan Phillips is back with the Buffalo bills. And even though he doesn't really like me too much on social media, he does it. No, Jordan Phillips is not a fan of Bruce Nolan.
1: What, wrote, what did you?
0: You don't You don't know the story? You don't know no. the story? okay, well. I don't think so. When Jordan Phillips was going to become a free agent, I did a piece for Buffalo Rumblings where I said, I don't think the Bills should re-sign Jordan Phillips for what the I think he's going to get. And I said, I, I like Jordan Phillips. I think he's a good player. I think he's going to get $10 million a year, is what I said. I think he's going to get $10 million a year on the open market, and I okay. wouldn't pay him that, right? Well, I was right. He got exactly $10 million a year yeah. on the open market. Well, he wasn't happy about that. So he responded to my, my article and he said it was hot trash. And there was a bunch of people piling on about how I'm not a real Buffalo Bills fan and that oh, know, this, yes. is, this is just Classic. garbage. Because what I said was, you know, Ed Oliver is the starting three technique for this team. I will not want to pay a rotational three tech who I like, mind you, $10 million a year. Well, Arizona didn't want to pay him that either after it was done. So, he struggled with some injuries there, but I absolutely love the fact that Jordan Phillips is back. I love him as a rotational three tech who can come in off the bench, bring energy, bring that passion, make those splash plays. I, I, I You couldn't ask for a better backup rotational three tech than Jordan Phillips. I'm thrilled that he's here. And I'm thrilled that Shaq Lawson is back. I think he the best version of himself in Buffalo. And these are my old favorites and they're warm and they're fuzzy. And I know what I'm going to get. And that is absolutely awesome. But Von Miller is still the thing that makes this thing go. So I can go back to old Chicago and I can get the pepperoni rolls. And they'll probably be just as good as I remember them. But I'll bet you they've probably upgraded their menu. I'll bet you there's probably something there that I haven't gotten before that's new, that's better than the old stuff. And so that's how the Bills' current defensive line group makes me feel. Yeah. Looks like Jordan
1: Phillips may have deleted those tweets. Really? I just went back. I just did a little research. Yeah. Oh well. Well, how about that? <laughs> I feel good. I feel uh, good okay, so I have. Um, I I I'm struggling. So I went to a diner this morning. Uh, today, like did you. you get a burger? Uh no I didn't. Uh, and the diner that I did go to actually does have a dinner menu. However, they had a patty melt. They did not yes. have a standard burger. Yeah, good enough. Good Which enough I eat. I believe patty melts are a traditional diner food. That, absolutely, hundred percent. Burgers, no. Nah. Patty yeah, melt,
0: brother. sure. Come on, come on, sure. come on.
1: Gonna again um, this. So here's the thing, right? went to the diner this morning. And what is the thing that I normally do? And and I, I bet a lot of other people are like this, right? I, this was some time ago, maybe a couple of years ago. I frequent a diner in Buffalo. I didn't go there today. I went to the diner back in my hometown in Hamburg, Peg's place. It's a great like local small diner, but Bruce, what they're known for is banging food out. I, we literally opened the door. Like the, there's like the vestibule, right? You open the main door from the outside to get to the middle part. You open the second door. As I open that second door, my first foot—well, not my first foot, my girlfriend, because I held the door for her. Her first foot stepped in for two. We we're like, yeah, two. I mean, I'm not <laughs> even in yet, but yes, two. Um, But they are—that is just like what they're known for. And like, we were in and out in 40 minutes, and I paid $26. I almost paid a dollar a minute, like to, just to be there, like that. That is just, with tip included, Bruce. So it's just—that's what I love about diner food, but. There's this diner in Buffalo in the city that I believe is the elite of the elite diners. There's a couple of – there's a diner in Pittsburgh, and the name of it's escaping me, but I went to it recently when I was in Pittsburgh in May. Um, This is the – that diner in Pittsburgh is the only one that I've ever had that might be better than Swan Street Diner in Buffalo down in the Larkinville District, right? And it was maybe two years ago I decided then and there that I was done being shackled, being bound – the principles and the notion that I can only have a savory or a sweet, right? Because that is the decision that every man must decide at the diner, right? Like is today my sweet day? Am I going to get the pancakes? Maybe I'll supplement a little savory and I'll get a couple pieces of bacon, or maybe I'll get hash browns on the side, right? I decided long ago, Bruce, that I will not subscribe to that thought process. I will not subscribe I will not be held back from ordering two breakfasts at once. And since then, I have ordered two breakfasts every time I go. I don't want the one pancake. Give me the stack of pancakes with the breakfast. So the reason I love Peg's Place, their number five combo is just that, Bruce. It is eggs. It is hash browns. It is a choice of ham, sausage, or bacon, and three pancakes for $10. It is the American dream, Bruce, right? And it's the perfect balance between savory and sweet. I get because when I only have sweet, Bruce, what's the thing? I'm like, I could use some salt. I just need something savory here. And when I only get savory, I'm like, shoot, I really uh, I was I I could have had a pancake, right? So again, I threw this out the window long ago. So I was going to make this conversation about me at the diner choosing between savory and sweet and deciding to get both that's what brandon bean decided to do when he rebuilt this defensive line i think maybe last year bruce he had all savory right maybe a little sweet was sprinkled in with that oliver but for the most part this was an all savory line and what he decided bruce is that he wanted both for himself, he was sick and tired of being told by talking heads, by the NFL networks, by the talking heads on ESPN and NFL Live that the best do it one way. And he said, I want to be able to do both. I want to go small when we're facing the Kansas City Chiefs, when we're facing pass heavy teams. I want to roll out Von Miller. I want to roll out Boogie Basham, Ed Oliver, and I might even knock down Greg Rousseau to the three technique. Oh, We're playing the the Cleveland Browns this year, and we're going to have a run heavy team, potentially Jacoby Brissett and I formation turn around and hand the ball off 35 times a game. Well, then I'm going to go big. I'm going to go AJ Epinesa and Greg Rousseau in the ends, and I'm going to go Tim Settle and Jordan Phillips in the middle. I have choices, Bruce. I am no longer bound and shackled by the thought that I need to choose one way to win defensively on that defensive line. I'm sick and tired of when we have to face a ground and pound run first team like the Indianapolis Colts and feel like I don't have an answer, Bruce. I need to be able to one week decide I'm going to sit Shaq Lawson because we're going to go balls to the wall to, to, to get after the passer. We've got an athletic quarterback in Patrick Mahomes this week. We need to make sure we stay committed to our, to our lanes, but I also want to let Von Miller run free or, be able to switch and go back and forth. So I also what I also think of this like the versatility of this defensive line, Bruce, is like eggs for breakfast, right? Because with eggs, you can go poached. You can go scrambled, sunny side up. Uh today, this morning with my number five combo. I got uh what did I get? I got over easy because it's been a while since I've had over easy and I wasn't in the mood for yokiness, right? I wanted a little bit of that, the cooked yolk with a little bit of runniness in the middle. So for me. This conversation goes to versatility, but more so, Bruce, Brandon Bean deciding, I'm a man who wants both. I want savory and I want sweet, and I don't care how much I've got to pay for it. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm 40, and I want savory and I want sweet. I like it. I like it. Thank you. It's a W. Oh, Vlad, this is so important. Vlad, thank you for bringing this up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Vlad says hash browns are good when cooked right. Now, my question for you, Bruce, are you shredded potato or diced potatoes? I am a
0: um I am a shredded potato guy. I think you get okay. more surface area okay. and I think you get better texture. I think if you can give me diced potatoes that are crispy, I'm in. But oftentimes diced potatoes end up being a little too soft for my taste, and I need the surface area to provide me the crunchy texture. Okay. So however I
1: can get some texture differential is how I'm in. Okay. So I really do like to shred it a lot because I don't believe it needs a lot. I think if you go cast iron butter, you get that crisp on the outside and you get the smooth, the, the softer texture on the inside. I believe the, the conflicting textures is really probably one of its greatest assets. Right. Um, but I do really like the diced potato because you can get that crisp on the outside, but you tend to get like this soft, especially if you soak, if you soak the potatoes first and then you cook them, you tend to get this like layer of like mashed potato on the outside and then the the harder, firmer potato on the inside. And then when you throw that in a skillet or on a flat iron with a little butter or oil, that tends to be the part that like crisps and caramelizes and then bon appetit. Here's the thing, Bruce, the reason that I like the shredded is because with nothing else, it's fantastic and it's good. And I believe you really live on salt, pepper, and texture with the shredded, right? With a traditional home fry, you are doing it wrong if you don't put it, if you don't cook it with onions. I believe that, and to JR's point, cooked with onions, I believe that's what takes it to to the elite level of home fries. But if you are if you're serving me home fries that are just you know some spices and potatoes, I think you've missed the boat. I don't need peppers, Bruce, but I do need onions.
0: I can white get behind that. onions. White, I can onion. get behind that. And I've said before on this podcast and plenty of other podcasts, as long as you cook the onions, I'm down. Yes, I'm down with yes. Oh onions. Yes. I'm cooked with. It's the cannot that that raw, cannot be raw. I
1: can't. I
0: can't get cannot behind. be raw.
1: I, I I caramelized white onions. Or if you just cook the you onions eat. down. Wait, yeah, and I almost, preferably, like, I, I like them torched a little bit. Like, if you could get yeah. it over, like, an open flame and get, like, yep. the ends a little charred and yep. have the middle a little firm, but not raw. Like, I, I agree. I, there's a time and place for raw onions. Home fries is not one of them.
0: I'm absolutely down. Okay. Winners and losers this week in the NFL. I'm Want to go start forced. with winners? We're going to start with winners, okay? You and have- I'm going to go Cameron Brait. Cameron Brait is the winner ah, this yes. week. He's, he's finally at a spot now where Cameron Brait was everybody's little darling before Rob Gronkowski decided he was going to sign with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I mentioned before that Bruce Arians, historically not known as being a tight end receiving guy. That's just not part of his thing. Well, now Bruce Arians is gone. And Rob Gronkowski is gone, which means any opportunity, O.J. Howard moved on to the Buffalo Bills, any opportunity that he wanted is right in front of him. As long as he can beat Cade Otten out, Mm. Cameron Braid has an opportunity to be a starting tight end for a team that has Tom Brady as a quarterback. I cannot possibly tell you the opportunity that is in front of him right now. So for me, biggest winner this week, Tampa Bay Buccaneers tight end Cameron break because we all just assumed I think the reason why Kate Otten went so late in our dynasty draft is because we all just assumed Rob Gronkowski was coming back oh he'll he'll give it one more year because Brady's giving it one more year right mm. well not necessarily the case so that
1: right there is my biggest winner of the week Nate biggest winner of the week I'm gonna stay close to home I am gonna go my biggest winner this week is Tavon Austin and he had a great end to his his uh his minicamp his Otas a lot of chatter I saw our our first way too early 53 man roster prediction Sal Mariana of uh the Democrat and Chronicle in Rochester has the bills keeping seven receivers and has Tavon Austin as one of those seven receivers and um I think I'm more excited to see him in pads there are two guys I'm really looking forward to seeing in pads come training camp Bruce, Isaiah Hodgins, because he has not shown out when pads have gone on. He has been the mini camp OTA off season warrior, uh, workout warrior. The guy you're like, Oh man, he looks good in shorts. Then he gets pads on and he's almost immediately hurt and he goes to the IR. Right. So that's a guy I need to see this year. And I'm excited to see him in pads. Cause it's a make or break year for Isaiah Hodgins. The same can be said for me for, um, uh, for Tavon Austin. I'm excited to see that quickness, what the potential evolution of the offense, what role he could play uh, when he gets his pads on. And it'll be interesting if there's conflicting roles with him and Isaiah McKenzie, if uh, if he does make the team.
0: Hmm. That's a good one. That's a really good one. You always you. wonder, you always wonder when you have someone who is a star or shows out, in OTAs and mini camp, you always wonder how it's going to translate. You know, last year, Isaiah Hodgins himself, you just mentioned it, was someone who kind of showed out a little bit in the spring. But it's not about the spring. It's about the summer, right? Nobody wins a job in the spring. They win it in the summer. So you're always interested to see how the narratives change when we get, you know, further into the summer. Okay. Biggest loser. Nate, you want to go first?
1: Uh, sure. This is easy. Daniel Snyder. He's been the biggest <laughs> loser for decades it feels like. I'm going to you're going to have to probably edit this one out. But Dan Snyder is one of the world's biggest pieces of shit. And the Femination. thing I'm sorry. I know this is a family show, but you know what? He's a piece of shit, Bruce, and there's no there's no nice way to talk about an employer who openly and brazenly believes that rules don't apply to him because he makes money. Bruce did you see the tweets I'm sorry the Facebook posts from one of his uh, one of his um, uh, front office people did you see it? I did not. They were on their yacht right uh, And let me let me just so for accuracy purposes in Snyder Facebook yacht post. Oh, uh, let's see. It was something along the lines of it was a hashtag, uh, something about, you know, don't hire women or something. And then it got taken down uh, or no, no, only hire good looking women. Hashtag hire just only good looking women or something terrible like that. In the middle of a congressional hearing, talking about the league's inability to do a damn thing about his conduct and about the work the toxic workplace that he has overseen for more than a decade Bruce the NFL listen you everyone knows where you and I both stand on Deshaun Watson and 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 levying the worst and the heaviest possible suspension and discipline you can at Deshaun Watson but let me tell you the the hypocrisy And the shallow and hollow level of discipline it will be to discipline Deshaun Watson and you come down on him with the the hammer of Thor, which is absolutely warranted, but do nothing to Daniel Snyder sends the worst possible precedent it can, which is if you're rich and you're, but more importantly, you're an owner or an employer, the rules do not apply to you. So for me, The biggest loser continues to be the NFL, Roger Goodell, who I will say this, right? Roger Goodell's hands are a bit tied here, Bruce. This is not really up to Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell is the voice for the owners. That's what he is. His job is to make them as much money as possible. And he's very good at it, Bruce. When he stops doing that, Roger Goodell ceases to exist. He will be replaced. But there is something that the rest of the other 31 owners in the league can do and they can vote his ass out and they should they should rot they should sterling him they should uh, who is the 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 owner for Jerry Richardson right the the owner for Carolina mm-hmm. there is precedent to this. Why is it that Daniel Snyder time and time again? sort of laughing in the face of Congress, which by the way, the government sucks and whether or not they should have oversight, they should be, you know, questioning the commissioner when we have a blank storm of other issues happening in our country. I don't know. I, I sit in a weird place on where our government's role in regulating big business, right? There is a role that government plays in doing that. But I think for me, Bruce, I need to see somebody put their foot down here. I need the Washington commanders to have gainful new ownership by the end of the fiscal year. I mean, I don't think any Washington football
0: fan would say that they're really thrilled about what Dan Snyder's put their franchise through. And sure. uh, They're thrilled to be fans of the team. So I don't think anyone's going to disagree with you by any means. Carl says, y'all want to pitch in and buy the commanders. If this happens, I'm down. I'm absolutely down. Yeah, sure.
1: I'll do it. Like twenty bucks each, thirty bucks. Absolutely. What are we talking
0: here? Yeah, absolutely. All we need is about let's see, uh, twenty million people, and we could do it. Twenty million people give us twenty bucks a piece. You know, we'll get a couple billion up in here. It'll be it'll be awesome. Yeah, I like that. Be Publicly fantastic. owned. Yeah, why not? I'd be happen. the face. If you guys need me to be the face, I'd be the face. Of course, you would be. What a sacrifice you're willing to make. I appreciate that. Thank you. So, my biggest loser is not nearly as awesome as okay. Nate's. Um and not nearly as profound. My, my biggest loser is, quite frankly, lame in comparison to Nate's, and it's Rhyme. Samaj P. Pirine is the backup running back for the Cincinnati Bengals and got some run as a third down back and as a player who we think can be a, a reasonable number two back in Cincinnati. Well, the rumors coming out of Cincinnati are that maybe Chris Evans is going to be that dude. And Samaj P. Pirine's got to be thinking to himself, listen, if I can't be a number two back behind a workhorse like they're not even asking me to be a committee back right if i can't be a change of pace spelling third down back behind a workhorse back one of the few teams in the league that believes in a workhorse concept that's not great that doesn't lend itself well toward future employment prospects if you're someone who can't hold off chris evans as a spelling back And you're thinking, okay, maybe, maybe I might not make another team, right? Maybe the NFL thing isn't going to be a whole lot longer for me if I can't hold off Chris Evans. Because the backup role behind Joe Mixon isn't asked a lot of. But if you can't hold that, then maybe the NFL might not be long in your future. So Mm. for me, biggest loser this week is going to be P. Piran. Carl says no, Bruce should be the face of the Commanders. I agree point. with that, actually. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, look at this nice round logo I have here that just spits out the name of my other show that I do on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. Yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, I was sitting here the whole time thinking any moment that the door was going to open and Mrs. Nolan was going to walk in with the pizza. I think she forgot about it. didn't happen. didn't Love happen. That. At no point did she walk in with the pizza. So I'm gonna go get myself some pizza. That's what I'm gonna do. Because we did it, Nate. We're we on, did the we're, done. we're done. We're over. This is it. And I'm gonna to have to edit this podcast. I'm gonna put like a quacky noise in when you say the bad word. Yeah. I'm gonna put like Two a bad words. noise in. I'm gonna make it happen. It's gonna be great. I love how later on you said blank storm. So I appreciate you doing that for me. I, I tried to I tried to help you out. I appreciate that much. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining Nate. Thank you for spending your Friday night with us. I'm gonna polish off this jameson ginger i got in front of me his fourth Fourth. apparently yeah man that's what i do so and i'm gonna get some frozen pizza and it's gonna be amazing because costco frozen pizza is amazing so i hope that you enjoyed this episode i hope that you had fun after what has been a tough week for a lot of people and i hope most importantly that you did not leave hungry.